You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an EHR that's really great for group practices and solo practices alike. If you want to try them out for two free months, you can use the code the group practice exchange or go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Okay, so today is a coaching episode. I've got Selena Shelton with me. She owns Hopewise, and we're going to be talking about increase, increasing client referrals. So hi, Selena. How are you? Hi, Maureen. I'm great. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about where you're at and um, what the problems are related to uh, increasing client referrals. Maybe what you've done, what's worked, what hasn't. And um, Yeah. Okay. Well, I have been in private practice by myself since 2016. I um, started a private practice, True Art Therapy. I did that for three years. And then last year, I decided to make the transition from a solo private practice to the group practice. And um, I, in my private practice, I, I was having to turn clients away, which was part of what informed my decision to grow. Um so as I made that transition, I did something that in hindsight, I'm like, well, that didn't work out. I shut down my old website before I had my new practice growing. So when that happened, the referrals totally just started disappearing. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking to get it, you know, uh, some insight on how I can uh, move, move referrals into HopeWise. And then also when, when people call, they're still looking for me and, you know, I'd like to get them in with my, my interns. Tell me a little bit about, um, your practice in general. Have you hired anyone else yet? Yes, I have, um, two full LPCs and two interns. Um, I've, I've hired the LPCs because it does take time for credentialing. And part of our model is access to care. So insurance does have to be a part of our, our model. Okay. Um, so those, and, and then the interns are the other side of the access to care for those underinsured or uninsured. And are your LPCs, um, is your group practice uh, a niche specialty or does everyone have their own specialties? I myself specialize in working with people who have chronic pain. And that is also something I would like HopeWise to specialize in. My LPCs and interns do have their own niches, but they will also be trained in how to work with people who have chronic pain. Okay. Um, And tell me what what kind of built you as a solo clinician? I know you mentioned mm-hmm. that you you shut down the solo piece, right? And then mm-hmm. started the group. And that's kind of where you're feeling some of those referrals have dropped because you started a, a brand new business that is not affiliated with your solo practice. Exactly. Um, exactly. How, how, how did you do it then? Well, um, you know, I think it was a lot of word of mouth. You know, I did a lot of... Um, presentations uh, that centered around art therapy because that's I'm an art therapist as well okay so I did a lot of presentations around art therapy I also uh, run a free support group for people who have chronic pain so some come in through that way oh awesome so there's a bunch of ways and I'm sure if you're a part of any of these um, Facebook groups or uh, online groups 
for group practice owners, you'll see that there's a lot of ways that people um, get referrals. And I know you mentioned the second piece, which I'll get into the um, the piece on when people do call them wanting to see you because it's um, a very valid and common question that group practice owners have, especially in the beginning. But I want to start with the referrals piece first. It mm-hmm. the there are a multitude of ways that you can do it from using social media, doing Google AdWords, um, doing community engagement, and having your clinicians also doing marketing. Um, what is your process right now in terms of how you're getting your group practice to be known in the community as well as the clinicians in it? Are you doing anything or are you guys kind of not focusing on that right now? Oh, no, we definitely are. We are doing some community engagement. We have a couple of groups, some are free, some are paid, um, that the clinicians themselves are running. We do have a little bit of social media going. I haven't done any AdWords. We're also going to health fairs and presenting there. Okay. And what is your expectation with your clinicians when it comes to networking or marketing? Is there an expectation that they're doing it? Is it something that is not a part of their, what they need to do in your practice? What? It, at this time, I have set that expectation that they are expected to do some of the legwork and help build their personal um, identity and mm-hmm. in, increase that marketing effort. Some of them are uncomfortable with it, you know, mm-hmm. with speaking and things like that. So that is an obstacle. You know, we kind of we're doing it in, in uh, I guess, bite sizes, like with the health fairs and, and that some of that one on one. Yeah. I, um, the thing that's worked really well for us and with my group practice, I, you know, understand that we all have different goals and uh, visions for our practices, which is why I ask uh, about yours, but something that, you know, uh, no matter what a group practices vision or mission or goals are, the one thing that I see being a common thread among really successful in terms of getting referrals group practices is that they are doing um, community engagement and it can look different for each practice, Mm -hmm. what that means. And one of the things that I see with clinicians who struggle with marketing or networking is that it feels very vast, you know, uh, and, and a lot of times practice owners and clinicians alike focus on quantity over quality when it comes Mm -hmm. to networking or marketing, you know, they're, a group owners have the requirement that they're reaching out to five new places a month or um, that they have X amount of uh, marketing hours that they need to have in a given period of time versus focusing on the quality piece. And so something that I've um, sort of fallen into over the course of the years of just managing my group practice was this idea of quality. And, um, and so something that I suggest to group practice owners that are looking to increase referral sources and have what you kind of mentioned, and I love this, of having your clinicians um, have their identity become aware uh, in the community. Um, A lot of group practice owners have that, um, oh my gosh, what's that mindset? Um, Scarcity mindset where they don't want the clinicians to go out there because if they do, then people get to know them. And then if they start their own thing and I, come from this mindset of, I really think it's important that the community knows that the business exists, you know, and and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the work that you do then as an owner of the practice is getting the community and the people around your location or locations to know 
um, your business specifically, HopeWise, but that the clinicians, their professional identity should also be known in the communities as well. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what people are coming to, right? right. HopeWise can get people in the door, but the reason why people stay is because of the clinicians that they're um, seeing. Um, and so one of the things that I have found to be such a, it's really simple and it's uh, easier for, especially for clinicians who maybe aren't either aren't great at marketing or don't feel really comfortable with marketing to do is to, for you to work collaboratively with them first. Um, I think that's the piece that ends up being missing a lot in the beginning is group owners, you know, have a lot, we have a lot to do. And so they give this recommendation of go, you know, you need to get out there. You need to talk, do speeches, do, you know, networking events, go to fairs or, you know, and they give all Mm -hmm. these ideas, um, but they don't help them sort of see through. And so my kind of boiling this all down recommendation, which is pretty simple and easy for um, clinicians who are uncomfortable to sort of bite into is the idea of them coming up with one to three max. Um, relationships that they want to nurture marketing wise or networking wise. And that's it. Um, It, it, and I know it's a shift from what people think of when it comes to marketing a business of like, you need to have your hands out there and like spreading the web really far um, Mm -hmm. in terms of connecting with lots of people. And, and, you know, there's ways to do it as a business as a whole. For me, it's going, being a part of the chamber of commerce. That's how I connect with other local businesses But when it comes to clinicians, um, you know, the idea of them making a relationship with one to three places um, or people is easy to grasp. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel so overwhelming as, you know, go to five different places every single month, or you need to be doing, you know, marketing with as many people and emailing as many people as possible. And so, you know, what I suggest is sitting down with each of those people and seeing one who their ideal clients are. Uh, I know you mentioned that you have kind of this chronic pain is kind of the overarching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to make sure, especially with niche practices, is that your clinicians aren't stepping on each other's toes in terms of like, you know, three of your clinicians aren't going to the same place in a given month because that's going to be mm-hmm. annoying for the for the place that they're going to. But mm-hmm. that um, each of them is, is establishing a relationship um, with different um, businesses or schools or locations or whatever. Um, and then, you know, helping them come up with what is that one to three places? Maybe they have a relationship that's sort of started with a place or they're noticing, you know, and you can kind of work with them. What, where are clients, their clients coming from right now? Is there a certain school that they seem to be getting a lot of clients from? Is there a certain um, job type that their ideal clients have that is a great place to market? Um, or is there a, a, a local business or place that would be that their ideal clients are frequenting, that they can establish a relationship with. And then to focus truly on those one to three, I would say is max, places um, for them to market. And if you think about it, as you grow, if you end up with, you know, you have, do you say you have two other um, clinicians, correct? Two full-time? Okay. So right now that could be up to six places, which is a good amount of places if they have a good relationship with them. Having six Mm -hmm. um, places that we're sending marketing materials to is, is sort of meaningless because... Um, that's not a relationship, right? Um, but if you have six really deep connections that you know about their businesses, they know about yours, that can be enough to, to really fill a whole group practice up. And then as you hire people, 
that web naturally gets wider because each mm-hmm. uh, therapist then has their one to three. And then, so that's kind of the, the first step is, is really sitting with them and helping them come up with ideas on those one to three places and getting really specific about those places and who the contact person is at that place. Because then that's all they have to focus on for their time as a clinician in your practice. And then the second step might, I would suggest is to then look at um, what are different ways to nurture that relationship. So it might start off by, you know, being a phone call and introducing themselves and saying, you know, I'm in the community. Uh, you know, we have, we have a handful of clients that go to your school or we have, uh, you know, the clients that I work with have this and this, um, you know, the chronic pain issues. And I know you're a chiropractor. I don't know. I'm making stuff up right now, but like that's kind of might be the first step, right. That they might make. And then the mm-hmm. second step might be, um, a follow-up email a month later saying it was really nice talking to you last month. Here's that flyer I was telling you about with that free group we're running. Let me know if you are having any specials or anything going on in your business. Um, and that might be contact number two. And then um, contact number three might be, you know, would you mind if I come see your office? We'd love to, you know, send referrals your way. And and this is something that's true for me is I don't send, I don't refer to places or people who I haven't actually met with, who I haven't actually seen their businesses before because I, I just you know, want to make sure that the space looks nice and that it's inviting. Um, I don't want to make a referral to a, a place that doesn't, that's not going to end up being inviting or that where the person, um, you know, I haven't met them. So they end up just not being the kind of person I want to refer to. And so that might be, you know, another contact. And I'm just, my point is going down the line of thinking of creative and different ways to keep that relationship going. Um, and my final point related to that, I think is the most important point, and people forget this, is that most people will refer to businesses who don't make the communication always be about them, themselves. And so I urge clinicians that are in a group practice to, the first time that they meet with a referral source, to make it about them and not even talk about their business. You know, obviously they know who they're going to be meeting with is a therapist at this practice, but um, it doesn't always have to be about giving out or like vomit of the mouth information about what they do as a clinician. I think this is where, where people can go wrong sometimes is they just talk about themselves and what they do and who they work with. And they want to like throw all this information over at them. Um, but we've seen that people love people who listen um, and people love talking about their own businesses and the things that they do in their work. And so making one of those contacts be, I just want to learn about you, what you have to offer and bring me materials, bring me stuff about you guys so we, I can give it to you know some of my colleagues in, in my group practice and really letting it be um, about that person or business or school or place. Um, and so you know, my suggestion is like have them come to your office because they're going to get the vibe of your place and without even having to talk about your line of work or your clinician's line of work, they're already getting the atmosphere in while they're talking about their business. And then next time you can go over to their business and then talk a little bit about your practice. Does that make sense? Yes, that sounds great. Yeah. So I just, I find that people need kind of a step-by-step, especially when it comes to marketing or networking, step-by-step of like, these are different ways you can go about it. So then kind of check off and along, go along um, doing it differently. Otherwise, what I find is that most people end up going the route of sending an email, um, getting really busy, 
sending another email three or four months later, maybe sending a box of chocolates around the holidays. And that's not enough to really nurture a relationship. Um, And so by whittling it down to one to three people and then focusing on learning about that person and their business or the work that they do first and having different ways that maybe once a month you can reach out or they can reach out to you eventually becomes a solid relationship. And that's, you know, one to three people and that's going to bring more than enough referrals in for that one clinician. And then you multiply that across however many clinicians you have and um, you'd be set. That sounds great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Very detailed. Yeah. I just feel like the, the biggest piece of it is um, you spending time sitting with those clinicians mm-hmm. one-on-one and helping them come up with those places. Because if you explain, you know, find your one to three places, it's going to make sense to them. But when they get to the, you know, one, will they prioritize the time to actually sit and just think about those one to three places and research mm-hmm. those places? It makes more sense if you you know, use that one hour of time and sit with them. And both of you have your computers open and, you know, start Googling places that are nearby that relate to their, their ideal clients and really just hammer out. These are the three places that make the most sense for you, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, quickly going into your second point though. Um, hopefully that was a good starting point. Yes. It was very much uh, great information. Okay. Awesome. This, um, the second piece is a really common one, which is how do I, get clients who are calling not to want to see me. And there's a couple of things you can do. And it depends on just um, where you're at in terms of your business growth and also financially. At the end of the day, the best thing is getting yourselves off, you off of answering the phones. It's just that's one of the hardest pieces is mm-hmm. uh, as new group owners, they tend to be the ones answering the phones. And if a client knows that it's them, they're going to want to see them. Um so the 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 best thing is having a VA or someone else that's answering the phones because they're not going to have that. Um, well, one, the client's not going to know that they're talking to you, um, and they can more easily say without guilt or any sort of uh, guilty tone in in them. Say, you know, Selena's actually full and not taking new clients, but tell me a little bit about you know what you're looking for, and I can let you know if there's someone else here that has a similar specialty or background that might be a good fit. Otherwise, well, we're, you know, I can let you know someone in the community um, that ends up nine times out of 10 being the, um, the best option for um, getting converting clients who might mm-hmm. want to see the owner. But if you're at a place where you can't yet do that, I've seen some pretty creative things. One was actually, um, the group owner, if they're the ones still answering the phone, they just don't answer as themselves. I know it might sound silly, um, but it, it there's psychology to it when you answer it and you answer it as uh, Sarah and not as Selena. Um, if oh. a client asks to talk to Selena and or to schedule an appointment with Selena, um, there's some psychology behind you feeling a little less guilty about being like, actually, she's full right now. The issue ends up being when someone is like, oh my gosh, I wanted to schedule an appointment with you. And then you're like, I need to totally disappoint you right now. Um, so they either then, um, give off this vibe of like anything I'm going to give you is like second best, which Mm -hmm. clients catch up on. Um, or, um, they take a client, right? So many group owners end up taking another client, another one, even though they're so full because they don't uh, want to disappoint them. Um, and they don't feel comfortable being confident in referring them to someone else. And so they just take them. And so yes. one trick is to just answer the phones, not as you anymore. And you'll probably be surprised by how 
much easier it is on your end emotionally to refer out. But the, the second piece is, is just, you know, how do you view the clinicians in your practice? Um, do you view them as great alternatives to you? For me, you know, the, this was this interestingly was not an issue for me because I, from the beginning was like the people that I hired did better work than I did in some areas. And so when they would call to see me, because I just, people in the community knew me and my business when I was solo first, I would feel so confident being like, I'm actually not the best fit for this issue. Um, my, you know, colleague, blah, blah, blah is, would actually be a much better fit for you. And I felt that that was true. And I felt confident in that and, and clients could hear that and feel that. And then nobody ever was like, no, I, I, I know you just said you're not as good as her and I'd still want to see you. Everyone was, would, was like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much okay. for referring me. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it partially comes down to how do you feel about the clinicians you do have when it comes to clients calling? Do you feel comfortable actually referring to them? Mm-hmm. And then um, is there a sense of guilt that you're feeling when people want to see you um, that you're giving off? Because if that's the case, they're going to catch on that and they're going to hold on to that and think whatever's coming next is not as good as you. Yeah. Yeah. I, they're great clinicians. I, I really have so much confidence in all of them. I think my difficulty is coming up against, and, and they definitely are, you know, um, better fits in some areas, but when it comes to chronic pain, because that's my history and not theirs, Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm struggling with transferring it over. You know, I definitely do try to, you know, indicate on on the positive, you know, I think there, you'll get a lot of great help from them. Um, Here's the thing, you're, you're bringing them on. And you said that part of your process with these clinicians is that you're training them to become um, how you are in working with clients with chronic pain, correct? Right, right. So in reality, just all on how you look at it, if you're mm-hmm. really spending the time um, growing that specialty with your two clinicians, clients who are seeing those clinicians are getting two brains and not one. They're getting yes. their brain and their experiences. And um, even though you might be more uh, established as a clinician who works with chronic pain, they bring in their own experiences and life stuff into mm-hmm. the session anyways. And they're gonna the clients are getting a combination of them with your brain that's a part of the supervision and the training that they're getting. And so it depends on how you look at it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would look at it like this client is getting even more support than they would if it was mm-hmm. you because they're getting part of you, but they're also getting that clinician. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. It's all, it's all about how you look at it. Um, yeah. It's just the, you want to, you know, if you're not able to really invest the time and energy into training them, that would make sense that you might feel uncomfortable handing um, clients with chronic pain over to them because mm-hmm. you're, that's your specialty. But if you're um, prioritizing, ensuring that they're getting kind of some supervision by you, that they maybe are doing a group supervision with each other or a case consultation with each other since mm-hmm. they're both kind of in this learning phase, um, that then they're really getting a good amount of support between each other and you. True. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Any last questions before we before we close up? Um, no. I, I feel confident with these. I think this has given me a lot of good stuff to – ready to go jump in. Yes. All right. Well, awesome. It was so good talking to you. And I wish you so much luck on um, growing your business and getting more clinicians in there and getting confident in 
referring them to uh, clients to those clinicians. Um, and uh, I wish you luck. Thank you. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Have you heard of Green Oak Accounting? If not, you should check them out at greenoakaccounting.com. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health therapists, whether they're in solo practice or group practice, and they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting and bookkeeping to payroll to building your dashboard, everything. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First system. So if you're thinking about doing Profit First or you're using Profit First and you need an accountant that knows how to do it, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.